you think you could tell us what to do? You think you could tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! How about a little uh, Degeneration X there? Man, I have not heard that since I had a boyfriend that watched wrestling back in the 90s. So uh, It brings back memories. <laughs> so, uh, guilty pleasure here. Uh, oh, Triple H was my favorite. <laughs> they, they had the Raw 30th anniversary episode last night. Oh, really? And I was like, anytime they roll, stroll the legends out, I gotta watch. Yeah. It just takes me back to a happy place. And Degeneration came out. Degeneration X came out right. to that song. And I was like, I'm sneaking that into the show tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And our off-air conversation about being Gen Xers. I was yes. like, I think I found the perfect time. <laughs> That's it. That's I completely it. forgot, honestly. And I was like, no, now it's perfect. Now it's mm-hmm. perfect. All right, man. We are live here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studios. I got Therese Apel with DarkHorsePressNow.com in the studio with me. And Therese, let's get let's get some business out of the way. Let's talk about Mac Hike of Flowood. I love those guys. Over there. I got their website pulled up here. It looks like they got $2,000 bonus cash allowance on challengers and chargers through the end of the month. Oh, man. Because, you know, I'm looking to get rid of my Mustang, but I don't need another new car right now. But cha- uh, chargers are my thing. I know they are. Uh, <laughs> it, well, in, and look, and if trucks are your thing, they've got big Ram 50, I'm sorry, Ram 1500, Bighorn, and Laramie Edition crew caps, 3000 combined cash allowance plus another $1,000 bonus cash allowance when financed through Chrysler Capital. So that's $4,000 in cash, mm. basically rebate. Yeah. Through through Chrysler Capital. I mean, that's a down payment. If you yeah. got let me paint a picture for y'all. If 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 you bought your mark if you bought a vehicle at the top of the market back in say mid twenty twenty one when cars were just ridiculous through the roof. Yep. You haven't had it long enough to not have negative equity. So you can use that four thousand dollars to offset that negative equity mm-hmm. and get you a new vehicle and get back in line. Like right. now is the time when you have a manufacturer putting out those kind of rebates. To go take advantage of those rebates. Absolutely. So uh, just a little food for thought. Uh, go see them right there at Mack Hike of Flowood, right there on Lakeland Drive at Airport Road. Go see Corey McDonald, Abe Morris, the whole team over there, Parker, all of them. Absolutely. And I always like to throw in there that my last three cars I've gotten at Mack Hike, and I have loved every one of them. So. Well, yeah, when I, when I, I worked for them, and they sent me to finance school, so I'm always grateful for them. Taught, yeah. me, taught me a life skill that... Uh, nobody else gave me the opportunity to. Actually, my buddy Corey over there hired me at the other store and had me sent off to finance school. So I was forever grateful. Yeah, good deal. Now you take care of your people. Absolutely. Yeah, take, those are those are great folks over there. Yeah, take care of your folks, man. It goes a long way. My buddy Reddy Teddy McRaney is over there selling cars. Now. I saw that. That's exciting. Yep. You know, with just just another person added to a great team over there. Mm-hmm. All right, Teres. Now let's get to the fun stuff. Let's okay. talk, before we jump into the murder stuff. Sure. Uh, Gen X. <laughs> yeah. 
So we were talking about being Generation X off air. <clears throat> and I was like, well, you know, there, there are some people who say I'm technically not, that I'm a zillennial. And I just absolutely refuse to be a zillennial anything. Right. I am firmly a Gen Xer. Well, know, and like I butt. said, I like to think of it more in terms of like what your childhood was like than what years you were. Because mm-hmm. there's differing years on differing you know sources. So I think it really is about like, did you... Were you born when there was an analog phone or whatever you call it when you had the landline, you know, and you couldn't dial through and there was no call waiting and there was no um, caller ID and then and, and the Smurfs were on. You, well, know? <laughs> you know, also, there's a whole generation of people that don't understand this. I used to would call a girl's house and have to talk to her parents oh, first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, is Allison home? Well, who is this? What do you want to do? What do you want to talk to my daughter for? You know, or, or, or whatever. And it's like you, you had a, you got drilled by the parents. Oh, yeah. And if it was after nine o'clock, they always answer the phone in their bedroom. And you're like, oh, I didn't mess up now. Yeah. You know, like I'm always so grateful to my parents. They put that phone in my bedroom as a it was really just to lighten the load on them because mm-hmm. dad used the phones at home a lot. But so they gave me my own line yes. around 12 years old. I think I got it for my 12th birthday, 372-0600. Still remember the hotline. <laughs> and uh, so girls could call me late, but unfortunately, I couldn't call them late. Right. You know, so they had to sneak with on, on with their little swatch phones. Uh-huh. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, and, and my favorite thing to remember, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, but like, yeah, you had to call. And my dad was a former prosecutor turned pastor who was also attached to a Green Beret unit and would walk around our small town of Hazelhurst with his rucksack on when he was getting ready to, you know, do his yearly two weeks out. And so, like, there was this whole stigma out there about how my dad will kill you in a way that you can't figure out, and then he will pray for you, and then he will prosecute your family for doing it. (laughs) And so the thing was, when guys called and talked to my dad, he scared the bejesus out of them. I didn't have a lot of dates. <laughs> and I, if it was like that now, I don't know what it'd be like my as an da- adult. My daughter is 20, and I've still yet to meet a guy that uh, that, that she's liked or anything. Yeah. We were out the other night for my dad's birthday, and there was a <clears throat> there was a guy sitting at the table with him, and I just went over there to introduce myself. And he's like, he's like yeah, I, f- I follow you on Facebook. He's like, but she told me not to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't let dad know that we know who he is because then we have to be scared of him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, gosh, I, you know, I may have jokingly said once sometime that I'll kill any guy you ever date or something. I don't know, whatever. Oh, yeah. And I guess she really took it to heart. Yeah. And I've yet to meet anybody that she's, that she's dated, but I'm sure she's dated. I had a blind date one time when I was 16 and I was so excited because when he showed up, he was actually cute. You know, I was going on a double date with a friend of mine and, and this guy's cousin. And of course he comes to the door and he knocks and all that. And my dad met him at the door, and he did that traditional, like, big man intimidation thing. And when we were walking to the car, the guy was like, man, your dad's a little bit scary. And I'm like, yeah, of course, we had a great date, and I never saw him again. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes. Right. Oh, You know, what you were saying about how you kind of define who's a Gen Xer, kind of what you did when you grew up. I was telling you the story. I can't remember who I was talking about this with the other day, but they were saying, you know, just imagine riding around a neighborhood now. Maybe it was, maybe I think it was Chad at a back porch. Yeah. And we were saying, you know, you ride around a neighborhood now, there ain't no kids. Yes, yeah, exactly who it was. It was Chad. And we were talking about my buddy Greg Clark's yard over in Brooklyn. He said, you know, you ride by Greg Clark's parents' house, mom's house, and there'd be so many bicycles in the yard because he had the big corner lot. Mm-hmm. You had enough kids playing that you could fill two football teams. And you'd have a full-on football game in the front yard. 
I couldn't tell you the last time I even see more than one or two kids riding. I'll be honest. I can't tell you the last time I saw a kid. Now, when I was in Crossgates, mm-hmm. you get a couple kids riding the bicycle. My house was right across the street from the sure. pool. So they'd be wandering over there. But just generally speaking, there ain't a lot of kids riding bicycles and stuff anymore. I happen to have some in my neighborhood, but it's it's really kind of weird because, like, I mean, it used to be you drove down the road. There were kids in the in the street on their bikes all the time. Now it's almost like you have this attitude like, what are these kids doing in the street? Well, that's where kids, I mean, I'm not saying kids should be in the street, but you know what I'm well, saying? Like, they about, should be playing outside. Well, we're talking about the streets you know? and the suburbs. We're talking about the streets right. in well, Jackson. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like I'm driving and I'm put out because there's a bike in the road. And then it's like, hold up. No, like, that's exactly where they should be, riding their bikes, you know. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Um, transitioning, Jackson crime. Let's yes. Let's hit this real quick. Okay. The 15-year-old that uh, went on the killing spree. Dump, I got his name written down here. What is it? Montravius Baker. Okay. So that's the one that killed the two people, carjacked multiple people, robbed six or seven businesses. Let's yeah. see. Two murders, three carjackings, six armed arteries. Right. You know, so you made a tweet about it. I screenshot it, threw it on the Save Jackson Instagram. Mm-hmm. Got a t- almost, it's almost, a, almost a thousand reactions to it right now. Yeah. And he's in the comments. It, yeah. And that's from the jail. Thing. You're 15. And you're man enough, and you're you're diabolical enough to go do all this stuff, but you don't know to not get on Instagram. From jail? From jail. I can tell you, I don't know who the snitch would have been, but the sheriff found out about that pretty fast. Yeah, that's good stuff there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just love that it was my Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, did you think that that was the right place to do that? I mean, of all places. Yeah. I, I, I am proudly a snitch. I will snitch y'all so quick. Yeah. But y'all come acting a fool around me. I'm snitching. Well, see, the thing is, I understand that there's this whole snitch thing out there that society has made. But, like, you're a murderer. Well, you're an alleged murderer. You're an accused murderer. And you're sitting in jail. And you've got a phone. And, frankly, I don't really like it that you have that privilege. Because if you have killed someone, innocent until proven guilty, yes. But there are rules for a reason. And I realize right now that like half the people out there hate me because you're not supposed to like rules. But when it comes to the law, it's the law. And if you've murdered folks, well, I don't think you get to have a phone if I have anything to say about it. I like rules, but also like breaking them when necessary. No, well, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm very much a maverick when it comes to everything else. But like... You sitting in jail with a phone, I'll tell on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it, all you got to do is go look at his Instagram. I, I I know he's alleged, but I mean, he kind of bragged about some of these things on social mm-hmm. media. You know, bragged about killing a white guy. Yeah. You know, they walked out of the woods, and I've heard some other stories about that, but neither here nor there, I'm not going to disparage the dead. Yeah. You know, this dude went on, went on one of the more deadly crime sprees in the history of the city. And I was talking about it in my first segment this morning. Ain't no way this was his first murders. No. I mean, he stood that the, the first one in the timeline of this one, he shot her. Basically, I'm assuming he killed her. Then stood over her body and shot her seven more times. Yeah. That 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 ain't a first. That ain't his first rodeo. And that's not about anything. Like a lot of the the killings you'll see in the inner city, it is a first time, or it is like I just did it to see what it was like, or it's well, that's what they told me to do, or whatever like that. But when you kill somebody and then you stand over their dead body or their you know dying body and you unload the 
the magazine, then that's a that's something else. Well, and it's a female. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, there's there's something to that. So uh, this is just me speculating a little. Feel free to not comment if you don't want to. So fast forward to her balloon release. Mm-hmm. That family leaves. The two-year-old and the 15-year-old get shot. The two-year-old gets paralyzed. And the Screets say that that was a revenge thing. Yeah. So the first thing I think is, is that his family? Or is he related to those people and the Screets knew that? One thing I can say, and I don't know in this situation. So this is, this is a in general type statement. But a lot of times we see these homicides or these shootings or, or whatever so close together. It's absolutely retaliation. As a matter of fact, when I first came to Jackson, what, now 12 years ago, um, I had law enforcement tell me, like, usually people start getting shot on Saturday, but Sunday, or people get shot on Saturday, but Sunday is the day of retaliation. And so you're going to have homicides on Sunday. Um, and that was back when the streets still had some order, you know, when it was still um, there. There have been gangs throughout and they've there have been, you know, groups, cliques, whatever throughout. Um, but they had some structure at that point. Right now, that's that's not what it is. Um, there is no structure and they will just go out and get revenge because they don't have a hierarchy that says don't draw any more attention or let us handle that in time or whatever like that. Yeah, so I was, again, going back to the first segment of the show, I, I mentioned the gang stuff, and these people are serial killers. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you get into the psychological differences, yeah, but by definition, yes, they are. You know, mass murderers, serial killers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what was it, last year, two years ago, where the, that little crew of them were going around and shoot randomly killing people in their cars? They yeah. shot I, – I, I may have the numbers wrong. I think they killed four or five people, mm-hmm. one of them being a pregnant woman and child. Yeah. Um, that's a mass murderer. I mean, that, I mean, by definition, yeah. you know, or serial killer, however you want to look at it. And when it happens in these urban centers, urban cities like Jackson and stuff, it's just considered – Gang violence. Yeah. And I'm like, I think we're really kind of brushing a bigger problem under the rug by just lumping it all in as gang violence. Well, and the thing is, the city's not even lumping it as gang violence half the time. You know, we're still only just now starting to admit that we have gang violence. We've been calling it, and in a press release not that long ago, they had four different homicides in there, and they said all of these were domestic. Well, you go on to see what they're talking about, and they say it's because... These people knew each other. Well, let me tell you something. Interpersonal violence. Yeah, let me tell you something. It's not domestic if you shoot me right now because we're not in a relationship. Yeah. If you shoot me right now, yes, we know each other. But whatever your motive, it is actually not. Like when they call it domestic and they say it's interpersonal, um, yeah, you stole my drugs is interpersonal. Exactly. Yeah, you slept with my woman is interpersonal. But that is not domestic. No, I I, I agree 100%. The, The calling it interpersonal is just a... Cheap way of saying it's not random. Yeah, and the thing is, they say this is not random violence as if it's going to set anybody at ease. Right now, we're not, I mean, at least as someone who is very versed in Jackson crime, I'm not worried about random violence because a lot of it's not random. I'm I'm concerned about all the people that are being killed because of the, the war going on on the streets. And, I mean, they are killing each other. You know, like, if you'll watch these little feuds start on social media and then somebody will get killed over it, I mean, they're killing people over Nothing over basically you have a whole generation of idiots 
that don't know how to take a joke. Right. They don't understand sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And they take it as disrespect. And you get killed over it because they're stupid. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, I just came from this this homicide or this murder trial over in, in the Delta. And, you know, we talk about it being urban. It's not just urban. It's not just one demographic. It's Mm-mm. right now everyone is so self-centered and so egotistical that it's like, how dare you, you know, look at me like that? How dare you bump into me? Like there was a kid killed in Oxford, a top-notch, you know, honors grad who happened to be at a party, was walking through the crowd, accidentally bumped into the wrong gangbanger and got shot dead. You know, but I mean, this guy was going places in his life. It just was the wrong person he bumped into. This generation has incredibly thin skin, Mm -hmm. but have the balls to kill somebody. Well, it's because they don't understand, like, you're not Jesus. And when he finds you, you're going to have a problem. Absolutely (laughs) right. Let's take a break. We'll we'll come back. Let's get into the equipment murders. That's what I got you here for today. But uh, couldn't pass up the opportunity to have some fun conversation with Mm -hmm. you. All right. This is the Clay Edwards Show, joined by Therese Apel live in the Matt Kike of Flowood Studios. We'll be right back. When necessary. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We are live in the Matt Kike of Flowood Studios. And this segment is brought to you by A1 Gear and Auto, located right out there. On 49 South in Florence. Go see Justin and his team. I called him yesterday with a uh, just a general question about changing the transmission fluid in my 99 Tahoe. And got some good advice on what to do, what not to do. So I really do appreciate that. It's always nice having an expert on speed dial mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't mind just sharing a little information with you. He knows I'm going to break bread with him down the road on something. But uh, there's some things I can do at the shop myself or yeah. my, my crew can do. And I uh, just got a little good information from him, and uh, I'm going to do that, change out my transmission fluid. Because some people have said you don't do it on that body style. Like that, that, that older transmission, yeah. it, it can cause more damage. He's like, no, don't flush it. You know, where you shift everything around, he's like, just drain it and do it this way. Wow. And, and you'll be good. So, uh, that, But that's the kind of professionals you're dealing with over there at A1 Gear and Auto. If you got any issues like that, if you got any... Uh, your torque that was, mine's a torque converter issue. So that's what, that's what the conversation was about. If you've got a torque converter issue, if you've got um, gear ring, pinion, axle, stuff going on, or so much as just your check engine lights on your air ain't blowing cold, get out there to 49 South, A1 Gear and Auto, go see Justin and his team. Uh, we appreciate them supporting us and letting us do what we do here. So please go and Absolutely. repay the favor, support them guys, because they are they are one of us, I can assure you. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm joining in the studio, Therese Apel, darkhorsepressnow.com. Therese, let's talk about K2 and Jamie Lynn Teletubby. I mean, Jamie Lynn Tubbs. <laughs> So this is a case that's been going on. We've talked about it here on the show before. Um, In 2019, this couple disappears. Will Polk, 23 years old, and April Jones, 36 years old. Um, And they, it was just like, poof, they were gone. And um, local law enforcement for a little while was just like, oh, they ran off together, you know. And and they were in the drug scene. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation about, like, where did they go? Are they in Hawaii? Whatever. But the fact was they didn't have cars or anything like Like, there was no way for them to have gone far away. So in January of the next year, so that would have been January 2020, I think, um, Will's brother gets killed in a car accident and Will doesn't come back. And his family knew that meant that he was not coming back either because he would have been there for his brother's funeral. So that snowballed into this huge investigation. Um, They end up making several arrests at first. They had two different um, false confessions and um, and then end up because the guy made the false confession at first, the actual killer came out and said, I got to talk to y'all like he didn't have anything to do with it. 
And it's because this guy, K2, Keith Coleman Jr., known as K2, um, is that egotistical. He didn't want anybody taking credit for his murder. Now, the thing was, he wasn't on the radar. So he could have absolutely kept his mouth shut and we would still be wondering what happened to them. You know, but um, so anyway, he during all this, he's, you know, he's working with Jamie Lynn Tubbs, who in and this is what you're referring to um, her descent from her pre well, her meth figure to her off meth figure um, has been the subject of a lot of discussion. About 100 pounds. That, that's what I was told is she'd gained about 100 pounds. And and that said, I'm not somebody who gets off into those conversations very often. But I mean, let me stop you real quick. If anybody on the text line wants to see the before and after, I made a I made a meme with some photos from uh, Therese of a before and after, if you want to call it a meme. I will text them to you, but you got to text the Guns and Gear text line, 769-241-1944. Four, I will send you that pic. Yeah. Right. And and the thing is, so, I mean, to kind of take it the other way, too, as we discussed Keith Coleman and, and we heard these, you know, stories from the he had two babies, mamas that at one point were living together um, because he was I mean, the thing is, say what you want. And yes, they both had some after the fact type charges that could have been brought against them. But you listen to the testimony and these women were as beat down and brainwashed as anyone I've ever seen. Um, so you hear all this, you know, you read the story about the baby's mamas and you believe that Keith Coleman has got to be some big NFL linebacker looking dude. And let's paint the picture. This is rural Delta, Mississippi, as rural as it gets. The Dollar General and the Dollar Tree are in the same building. I mean, you know, (laughs) they've got the Dollar Holler up there. I mean, I don't think they even had those. I mean, like there's a grocery store. Yeah. And uh, and it was I mean, I'm not I am not making fun because I love small towns. Well, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just painting a picture that, yeah. the, you know, it's a small because you, you, you wonder when you live in a place like we live, you have a lot of options. Yeah. You wonder how somebody can get that beat down that all that. And you get somewhere in the middle of nowhere, poverty, there is generational there. poverty. Yeah. And it's just it's a different mindset. Well, and one thing that I noticed and I alluded to this on my Facebook the other day, but the way they handle things there. And it's not all of them. Like there's there, this. We're talking about the underbelly here, the drug mm-hmm. scene. Um, there are plenty of just really fine people there, but they the way they handle things is they talk a bunch of mean crap. You know, they do that whole like I'm coming to whoop your butt type stuff. Um, and there is no other culture. And at one point, even the defense attorney said, like, I know that you guys are having a hard time putting yourself in these women's minds. You know, talking about the babies' mamas, and he said, but. Think about a world where, you know, it's different than our world, like where drugs are like food, where violence is exactly, you know, the way you handle things, where hitting a woman versus killing a woman is the better option. Um, because he was talking about how K2 had allegedly he his story was that he went and told everybody he was going to go kick April's butt. In the end, of course, he kills her. And he's saying, you know, the defense attorney doing his job he he put on a good case but he just said you know think about the difference in a world where this is the the law he was just going to go beat her butt he wasn't going to kill her and you know then you stop and think like yeah that's that's a whole different life than so most of us know so what was he going to uh, why did they kill him i guess that's what i'm getting at so the reason they killed april is because, and, and Keith Coleman talked a lot about all his women and his sexual conquests. Um, at some point, he alleges that he and April were in this house that he sold his drugs out of, and they were alone, and so they end up sleeping together. And then he 
tells her where he keeps his drug stash in this locked room that's usually locked. Well, he leaves it unlocked, and next thing you know, there's about fifteen dollars to $18,000 worth of meth missing. So he's mad because he believes that April stole his meth. He also believes that she's a snitch. Now, I talked to local law enforcement down there. She was not snitching. Now, Jamie Lynn had this whole situation, and I have actually been getting angry emails about this because there was a, a guy named Lil Dusty, and, and Jamie Lynn— Is he white or black? He's white. And, um, and Lil Dusty— had been apparently seeing. <laughs> I had some jokes about that. Right, seeing Jamie Lynn, and then allegedly slept with April, and so Jamie Lynn was very angry because April interfered with her relationship with Lil Dusty. But some some research shows that Lil Dusty was actually seeing somebody else that he's still seeing at the time. So at one point, even you had the prosecutor telling the jury. In loud tones, like everybody here sleeping with everybody. The gene pool, you know, <laughs> like yeah. So, but the fact is, then April tells the. I mean, I'm sorry, Jamie Lynn tells the police. Well, it's not just about little Dusty. She was a snitch. I'd kill her again for being a snitch. So after that, of course, they they take their head and hands off, and uh, and unfortunately for K two, that's that's what he ended up telling his baby's mamas about. You know, getting them mixed up in his. At one point, he, the one, there was one that saw him dispose of both, of both Will and April's um, body parts. The other baby's mama, he actually gave her Will's head and hands in a bag. She didn't know what it was. He just set it in her trunk. And he said, I need you to carry that for a few days. And the next morning, she woke up and she was thinking it was drugs. So she was like, whatever you put in my trunk, you come get it today because I got to go to work. So he came and picked it up. In that time, she picks up the bag by the top. You know, imagine a grocery bag, picks it up by the top and steadies the bottom with her other hand to take it to his car and put it in his front seat. And she felt something in it that felt like an ear or a nose. And at that point, she said to him, what did you do? You know, but that was kind of the end of that um, for her um, at that moment. But then at some point, he started stalking her at work, and she ends up losing her job because he's sitting outside threatening everybody. The baby mama. The baby mama. And so she has to end up moving back into the house with him and the other baby mama, which they had lived that way before. So luckily, the baby mamas get along because they've both been beaten half to death by the same dude. You know, so like at some point, they trauma bond over all this. And at some point, their collaboration was kind of what drove them to, as soon as he's put in, in jail, they went to the cops, but they were like, I'm not going while he's still out because he'll kill me. Yeah. You know. So were they granted immunity? Um, t- To the best of my knowledge, they were not charged or have not been yet. Good. So. I mean, it, it sounds like they've, they've done They've been through enough. And that's the thing. You had a lot of people that are, are fired up because they weren't charged. Um, But after watching the, their testimonies. I mean, I cried all the way through one of them because her life had sucked so bad. And the other one, she was tougher. She was street hard. But you could still see the damage that had been done by being associated with this guy. And and one of the cops told me that when he was asking them questions, they said, look, we're not even his girlfriends. We're his property. You know, and I just thought, what a way to live. Well, did they ever figure out who's, who stole the meth? Uh, apparently, April may have, yes. Okay. So, so but she was not snitching. Went snitching, she just yeah, you know, just took the drugs. Dope man, dope man. All right, let's take a break real quick. Come back. We're gonna talk about this some more. I got some questions. A little dusty, a little dusty butt. 
you know, you're a little dusty butt on that hill. All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Clay Edwards Show with Therese April. We'll be right back. Breaking rules when necessary. This segment of the Clay Edwards Show is brought to you by Ellis Autoplex. Y'all know it. I work out there. I sell cars out there, but I also buy cars from you out there. So if you're selling yours, get by and see me. If you know somebody that's selling theirs, send them to me. Make sure they mention your name. If I buy their car, I'm going to send you 150 bucks cash money. Like the record company. I mean, like the, re- cash yeah, like the record money. company. Cash money. Taking over for the 99 and the 2000. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send you cash money, 150 bucks if they if I buy their car. So if you're in the market for a pre-owned good truck, you know, not scared of something with 100,000 miles or so, want to save a little money, I'm your guy. Come see me. Cars, trucks, SUVs, got it all. Check us, check us out online, ellisautoplex.com. We are buying four, five, six cars a week. We sell them four, five, six cars a week. Inventory is ever-changing. Keep up with our website. Go follow us on social media. At Ellis Autoplex. Uh, we got deals of the day, all kind of good stuff going on over there. So come see me. I get there about 11, 30, 12 o'clock every day, and I'm there till close. And just because we close at six, don't mean I leave at six. Last three cars I've sold, it was after six. Mm-hmm. So I ain't scared to stay late if I need to. It's at Ellis Autoplex. Come see me, Clay Edwards. I work there. All right. We're live in the Matt Kike of Flowood studios. A lot of car lots. Yeah. A lot of car lots. I, li- I like that uh, the, the car lot folks support me. Yes, that definitely is a game changer. You know, it, it, well, I spent 12 years doing it. It was inevitable. Yeah. You know, now I just need a bar and restaurant, another bar and restaurant on here, and I'll have covered all my careers. See? I'm trying to think. I guess all I've ever really been is a journalist and a public information officer, and they don't buy ads. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, well, as life goes. Yeah. All right, so we're wrapping up this K2 and, and Jamie Lynn Tubbs stuff here. K2, that's that's kind of a cool name. I probably need to call him something different. Yeah. So you showed me a picture of Lil Dusty. Yes. And let me paint this picture of Lil Dusty. Uh, think Rankin County Trailer Park. No knock on y'all. It is what it is. Uh, think Rankin County Trailer Park. Think that little skinny dude that thinks he's got game. He's also possibly a white rapper. A little Dusty don't have facial hair, but for the sake of conversation... A little, you know, the guy that can't grow a beard but thinks he can, got a little sprout on his chin. That's a little dusty. Probably weighs eighty five pounds. Wears urban wear. Probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, thinks he's a player. Likes big girls. Well, no, that's the thing. They weren't. It, she wasn't like that back then. So it well, is. It, I'm painting a fictional version. Okay, sorry. A, a fictional version. <laughs> I didn't of mean here. to interrupt the poetic license there. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's always the guy that's big as a pinky finger that likes a 300 pound girl. Hmm. I see. I, I'm a people observer, mm-hmm. and from the years in the nightclub business, I will never forget this one time. This big old girl, big old girl, had this little skinny, skinny dude hemmed up, like he was like role reversal here, up against the wall with his legs wrapped around her. Oh God, making out and. If I'd had a camera phone then, it had to have been 02, 03, somewhere in that time frame, uh, it would be a meme st- right. still to this day. Right. But uh, anyway, that's a little dusty. Yeah. And and I have to say, I've heard quite a bit from his family because his name came up in court and I quoted it in the story. So That's a trial you don't want your name coming up in. Oh, but there were so many names because there were... When I say that these... this, I mean, it was a soap opera beyond a soap opera... In the Delta. 
You really, yeah. One of the textures on the Guns and Gear text line said we really needed to, or you needed to do a long form podcast about this. It's just so many weaves and webs. And yeah. Well, and if you read my coverage, I, I, I had a story each day of testimony and it was really hard because one thing that you find these days is that you can write a long form story, um, but you can't make it as long form as it used to be because people don't read like they used yeah. to. So I there are so many details that I did not put in those stories because the question was, yeah, I could keep this thing going until, you know, next week, but I want people to actually read it. You know, so um, it is there is a lot to this case that and and a lot of involvement that um, if you were to go from the beginning to the end and deal with each person they thought was a suspect and the various reasons they did, you know, and and the involvement of the different law enforcement agencies with each other. And there there were so many different um, just facets of this. Um, and the fact that honestly, I mean, WLBT covered it a little bit at the beginning, and, and it was my story um, while I was there. But then while I'm sitting in that courtroom with one of the craziest, like most weirdly detailed murder trials that I've been to, um, it was me and the small town newspaper that doesn't have a website. We're the only media that were there. That is, I mean, this is a crazy, and this is going to, you know, you'll get removed from this a few years. And this will turn into one of those urban legends. Yeah. Well, and I think this is the one that like Dateline or somebody will dig up and be like, why is there nothing about this? But it's the kind of story that goes on Dateline. That's the kind of, this is the kind of story movies are made about. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is time to kill type stuff here. Oh, yeah. More so, I think. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's real. Yeah. I mean, it's like this. The, that's the one thing about re- f- fiction or tr- reality trumps fiction because mm-hmm. you can't make this kind of stuff up. No. And I mean, one of the things that I would love to look into when I finally have enough of a staff that I can do deep investigations is when I first went to Crowder, when I first went for the, the vigil that they had at the beginning, um, I stopped at a gas station. And of course, in a town of 1600, the girl was like, you're not from here. And I was like, no, nah, I'm here for the vigil. And she starts telling me that there are so many other people missing in Quitman County, that people have gone missing for a while in Quitman County. And then somebody else said that um, a law enforcement officer said that there was reason to believe that there was another missing person connected to K2's circle. Um, I didn't get into the details with him, but there are things like that that would be interesting to follow up on. Well, just like we spoke earlier about this 15-year-old running around killing folks in Jackson, ain't you... Ain't just like he ain't stand over that that the girl he killed and shot seven extra times when his first rodeo. Right. I'm just going to go on a limb here and guessing that cutting two people's hands, feet, and head off or whatever. Right. That that wasn't their first dance. Right. They had done this before. Yeah, and there are a lot of pieces that never made it on the record. Um, for instance, he had some. He has a voodoo queen in his family, and so when people talk about like where does this evil come from, you know, well. I don't know a lot about her, but I heard some stories about just, you know, rituals and things like that. So it, it's like you could this is it's just such a, like I said, weirdly detailed story that if you could get into all of it and make it into either, like I said, a, a podcast series or a, a movie or a dateline. Of course, there's you know, a voodoo queen in the story. Of course story. there is. <laughs> and he escaped from jail twice. During all this. Did he? He did. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, at one point when he escaped, um, the two babies' mamas like went and picked him up and brought him clothes and stuff like that. And 
it was because now that he's out, they were terrified that he would come kill them. See, now my so, opinion changes. Now well, it that, does, yeah. Now I think they should be charged. But they were afraid of him, that he was going to come find them if they didn't help. I get it. Yeah. I, I get it, but. But still. Yeah. <laughs> See, so many personalities, so many it, details. It, it, yeah, this has to be unfolded in, some, in, a, in an order that makes, that can, that, that can paint a picture. Yeah. This is too much. I mean, it. When you saw these people testify and you realize how many other people could have testified, like when I heard they thought it would be three days, I was like, this is in no way a three-day trial. And they, they fit it in by cutting out a lot of people that could have testified, but also they had confessions from the lips of Jamie Lynn and K2 to everyone they knew, you know. Man, that's wild. All right, <clears throat> we'll come back for one or two minutes, and I want to ask about why it wasn't a capital murder. Okay. All right. This is the Clay Edwards Show, joined by Therese April, darkhorsepressnow.com. We'll be right back. And look, I got three hours today, so y'all don't go nowhere. I'm going to be here for a while on 103.9 WYAB. The Clay Edwards Show, live in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studios with Therese April. Therese. Yes. Let's jump into this while I got you for a few more minutes. Okay. Everything about this case says capital murder. Absolutely. Kidnapping and then a crime, murder mm-hmm. in, in conjunction with another crime. Right. That's capital murder, right? right? Just like with this 15-year-old kid, he was breaking in that guy's truck, then killed the guy, capital murder. Absolutely. This is capital murder. Why wasn't it charged? Why was it, why was it that the conviction they went for? Well, um, so I, I did not ask the prosecution themselves, but I did ask some law enforcement, you know, why is this not a capital case? And they said that um, there was a little bit of doubt as to whether or not they could get a conviction. So they decided to do murder because they feel like a jury would be more likely to um, to convict on murder charges that lead to life in prison than to decide on somebody's life. Now, that said, this jury, I've seen a lot of juries, and this jury was no nonsense. They were professional. They were... They their faces reacted. I was to, just about to ask because you would think they would be scared of retaliation in mm-hmm. a small town like that. Everybody knows everybody. Well, that's the thing. Like I, I watched them throughout, and and this jury was unafraid, and they were deeply moved by the testimony of of well of the baby's mamas, and then you know the at one point Will Polk's mother testified. You know there are some things that that you saw them just physically reacting to their emotions. You got to be somewhere at ten, right? Ten thirty. Yeah. Can you stay for one more segment? Sure. sure. Let, I, I, I want to wrap this up. This is just too good. This Sounds is the good. Clay Edwards Show. I'm going to bring Therese back for another ten fifteen minutes on the other side of the break. Here, hour number three. Of All right. The Clay Edwards Show, joined by Therese April, live on one hundred three nine WYAB. All right. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. This is hour number three. Good Lord. I remember when I couldn't talk for an hour. Right. Now we're doing three of these. Gosh, <laughs> I apologize to y'all out there. I'm sure y'all are punching your windshield right now. Why won't he go away? <laughs> Why won't he go away? Well, well there look. are plenty of people that are probably like, oh, good. Now I can listen to this for another hour. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. And I do appreciate them. Shout out to the ones who have been on with us since 7 a.m. Right. Uh, we're live at the Mac Hike of Flowood. Studios. This segment is going to be brought to you by Guns and Gear, located right out there on Highway 51. I love those people. Yeah, where they Yandale Road? Is that the crossroad there? I think so. Yeah. Yep, 51 at Yandale. I can Road. get there, but I couldn't tell you what road that is. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's be honest. Once you get on the other side of Ridgeland between or Madison, I mean, <clears throat> going down 51, it's the only thing between there and Canton. Yeah. 
you know, right there on the right, that nice shopping center, mm-hmm. the big new gas station right in front of it there. Absolutely. That one little area right there. So uh, stop in, see them for all your gun, ammo, gunsmithing, and coating needs. And uh, as Therese always talks about, man, got a great staff. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the, I mean, there are so many things to say about them, but, you know, probably the two that I hear the most are girls, you can go in there and talk guns and they're not going to talk down to you. And like I li- I love to talk about, I had a gun Cerakoted there um, because I bought it in silver, but I want it in black. They just didn't have it in black. You know, like they trying to order it. We couldn't get it in black. So I had them Cerakoted and they added just a little bit of blue so that the color is unique in all the world um, on that gun. So I have this one of a kind gun that is exactly what I wanted, but I also know that it is just a little different than everybody else's. No, that's you know. cool. But look, get out there, see them in person, or shop them online at gunsandgearms.com. Valentine's is approaching, fellas. Get your girl a gun. That's right. I mean, especially she got to come through Jacktown. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not just a protection thing. Like, I mean, some guy shows up with me, a gun for Valentine's Day. I mean, that's going to be a good Valentine's Day. That's going to win. He's winning. That's, that's he, a he win. He wins Valentine's. Yes. Yeah, it's a great gift. It's great protection. The whole nine yards. You can get it all there at Guns and Gear. Absolutely. Highway 51 North in Gluckstadt. All right, Therese, I had to hold you over to sure. hit, hit a few things here before you go. This this jury selection mm-hmm. in a small town. So was this jury from there or were they brought in from outside of there? To my knowledge, they were from that area. From that area. So that was some people who had had enough of their community being terrorized. I'm quite sure that's the case. Um, and, and it turned out one of the jurors, um, I kept thinking she looked familiar and she was somebody that I had actually worked with in a former life as a teacher. Um, and so she contacted me afterwards and we didn't talk about the details of what they discussed, but she was just saying, you know, thank you for being willing to cover it because I mean, she said, you know, just, they were just floored by what they heard, you know, and, and. It should be hard, and she didn't say this, these are my words, but it should be hard to consider taking the rest of somebody's life into your hands, but there was no question for them. You know, I think it took them 45 minutes to decide. Like, we didn't even leave the courthouse. That's good. That's good. It's good to see when justice, when, it, when, when the wheels finally start to spin, right. when, when, it, when they spin fast. And, you know, this is, this is done, because it is. I was expecting you to be up there a little bit longer. You're I mean, kind of following your coverage and stuff. Yeah, like I said, I was sure, based on my experience, that this was not a three-day case. This is the kind of case that could take ten days, two weeks, if they wanted it to. Um, and they didn't call. They didn't call um, one of the the main investigators in the case um, because I think there was some, you know, jurisdictional back and forth. But um, in the end, there was so much that could have been added, but they did what they needed to. You know, and I mean, as far as it goes, they they plugged it in those three days and the judge was like, you know, we're getting out of here. And we did because there was nothing really to deliberate, apparently. I mean, you just go back to real real quick, just just for my own clarification. The time that they ended up missing from the time they disappeared to the time they actually figured out he didn't come back for his brother's funeral. Something's up. What was the gap there? That was three months, three months. And that was when the family. um ended up like doing their own search party and they found some stuff and there's some uh, again there's i mean in a small town mm-hmm. with a big case you're gonna have a lot of back and forth but the family found some things that belonged to the victims um and of course there were folks that said no, no those were planted there you know just whatever um but that was where it really began that like 
instead of just being like, I don't think they're okay. It was, they're not okay, you know? And, um, and so that went on for several months. And then when the year anniversary came in October of 2020, that was when they contacted me and I went and covered the vigil for WLBT. Um, and then, you know, it's been two years in the making in investigating the case, finding the suspects, you know, dealing with all the different pieces and then bringing it to trial. So for people out there thinking right now, well, why didn't they just ping their cell phones? And let me just tell you on that. Most of the time in these poverty, drug stricken type situations, communities, man, they're using little go phones. They ain't, they ain't got a they ain't got an ATT plan. You know, there's just a lot of that technology is still non-existent up there. They may have a flip phone. They may not even have a phone. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up because I know there was some discussion of the phones, but I don't remember now what it was because it's been you mm-hmm. know, two or three years since I talked about it. But um, I do remember that it was it was like a no-go, like the phones weren't going to help. Yeah. Um, and, and, well, that's usually what it is. Yeah. I mean, just you still kind of moving these circles a little bit, and you'll see people that they, they hadn't moved up to this yet. And I'm holding my iPhone here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're living in the future down here compared to what's going on up there in the Delta. Right. Right. I mean, it really is just a different speed up there. Well, and I think it's it's worth saying that you know the families of these two, um, while they were involved in the drugs, um, their families were were a different kind. You know, they they weren't necessarily in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, April had seven children. The oldest was, I believe, 19 when this all started. I didn't even think about this aspect of it. Yeah. And so her her oldest daughter, who is, you know, really just a beautiful girl, respectable, you know, has been heartbroken at the way her mom was living throughout. But they were close Um, when she knew everything was wrong was right away, because first of all, you know, daughters and moms have that connection. She couldn't feel her mom anymore. But also um, she was like she never would have left the little kids. You know, she had some some younger children and uh, and she was top of her class at Crowder High School, maybe. Um, But, you know, had a lot of promise um, in her early days and then drugs just took over. And then with Will, the sad thing that, that they talked about multiple times with Will was that he was just there because of April. Um, he just, you know, they had been seeing each other in whatever way. And he was there because he was with her that night. And Jamie Lynn allegedly even tried to talk him out of going with him that night. But he wanted to get in the car with April. And so in the end, uh, they used a phrase that wasn't um, <laughs> the judge had to tell the chief deputy to quit using a word that means um, girl parts. But they just said he was chasing April that night. And that was what got him killed. Sure. I can't say any of that on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She got that killer, 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 killer. Yeah. Oh, masterpiece on there. But, man, that is a wild story. And we unpacked. A, you did a hell of a job today. Thanks. I've been trying to condense it for about two or three years now. <laughs> you, you, you did a hell of a job. The text line, people are in, I, they're loving it from a storytelling. Yeah. Not, not the, how it all unfolded. But from a storytelling thing, amazing job today, Therese. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, and if you want to go read the stories, go to darkhorsepressnow.com and go up to the right top right-hand corner, you'll see a search bar. Type in Will Polk or April Jones, and it'll bring up all the stories we've had since Dark Horse Press started. Now, it did begin a little bit before we did, but there are links in those stories to the story I did at WLBT as well. I'm glad you said that because I actually got on there yesterday trying to find the most recent story 
and I could not find it on the homepage anywhere. I finally had to go back to your Facebook page. And that's right. the post I shared. Well, and unfortunately, we you know that's something we want to address with our our website is that as we have more news, it cycles off that front page. Mm-hmm. So you have to use the search bar. But um, I would like to be able to do like a landing page for the major cases and stuff like that. Yeah, no, so no, we're working on that. No doubt. Well, this was cool. Look. I know you got something you got to do. I would love to have you start coming back and doing the show a little bit more. I'm putting you on the spot here. Sure. Uh, people love it. I get asked about your episodes more than I get asked about my own. So yeah. open invitation anytime. Okay. I'll start pestering you about it, and uh, we'll get you on here more. All right. We're going to take a break. Therese, tell everybody how they can find you. Uh, at darkhorsepressnow.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, but if you go to our website looking for these stories, you can either go straight to Google and put Dark Horse Press and then Google April Jones Will Polk, or you can go to darkhorsepressnow.com and go to the search bar and put in one of their names and you'll find it. And let me snitch on her a little bit here. Uh, go follow Therese on TikTok. Oh, yeah. For, for, <laughs> for, for great dating advice. Right. <laughs> That's where I go be a frustrated single girl. <laughs> No news over there. It is just uh, frustrated single girl stuff, and she is hilarious. Thank you. She is hilarious. All right, we're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, uh, we're going to peel back the onion, talk about some things, and uh, have a good end of the show here. Teresa, thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, we'll be right back. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow at 7 a.m. as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.